Welcome to Lessons in Leadership with my colleague, Mary Gamba. We kick off the program with Dr. Andy Anderson, um, also an MBA, Executive Vice President, Chief Medical and Quality Officer at RWJ Barnabas Health, our longtime healthcare partners. Good to see you, Dr. Anderson. Good to see you as well, Steve. Describe your role at RWJ Barnabas Health. Yeah, I'm the physician leader for the system and have a lot of focus on our quality, safety, and, and patient experience outcomes, as well as our clinical work throughout our healthcare system and our academic and, and research effort, which is being done in partnership with Rutgers University. Hmm. Dr. Anderson, I've done a lot of work, Mary and I, our company, I've done a lot of work around leadership development for physicians, for nurses, including the nurses at RWJ Barnabas Health. But as a clinician who has to be a leader, and I don't use the word administrator, a leader, where did you learn, where are you, where have you continued to learn to be the leader that you are with a clinical background? That's a great, great question, Stephen. And part of the answer is continuing to be a, a clinician and continuing to be involved in the environment where we're seeing patients. I still do work as a as a primary care physician, and so that that context um, gives me a lot of insight and, and joy, for that matter, in terms of of being a, a doctor. Um, but you know, to your question, a lot of 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 what comes with leadership, I think, is having great mentors, you know, along the way. And I can remember a number of them that have been influencers that I continue to, to stay connected with. Um, some of, of what happens, I think, over, over many years of experience is, is having that variety of opportunity to work in different health systems and different hospitals, you know, engaging with different stakeholders and seeing things that work and seeing things that don't work and taking things that don't work and learning from them and trying to continuously improve. Well said. Mary, jump in. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit? Obviously, at this point, we're more than three years into the pandemic. Can you talk about innovation, change, the importance of leaders just being able to adapt and react to changes, but also then plan for what may, may be coming next? Yeah, the the bright side of the pandemic, if there if there is one, was that opportunity to to change quickly and to be you know innovative. Um, and I would say we were nimble. We were able to to shift you know pretty quickly. For example, with our telemedicine platform, we were doing ten thousand visits a week. You know, a few weeks into the, into the pandemic, which was an enormous you know shift that we were able to to do quickly. We were able to have patients being cared for in their home environment with, with remote monitoring. So things like that, those things might not have happened if it weren't for COVID influencing us to, to move quickly. So we learned that we can do things um, in a, a rapid way successfully, and that has informed us going forward. The, the pandemic also, I think, has shown us that we can be quite resilient um, and we can better support each other along the way. So another bright side is that I think it, it connected us more as a health system. You know, historically, we function a bit more like individual hospitals and the pandemic really helped us come together as a true integrated health system. Curious about this. Uh, Dr. Anderson, I asked you about your leadership development how you've evolved as a leader, how you continue to evolve. And obviously COVID's had an impact on you and on Mark Madigan, the, the new CEO. And for years, we had a great relationship with Barry Ostrowski, the former CEO. We've tried so many conversations. Check out our website on those past, from those past interviews. But I'm curious, for most physicians and or nurses who are great clinicians, who then become a chair of a department, a leader in an organization like RWJ Barnabas Health, 
Is there an assumption that they will just have the leadership skills necessary or must they, you're, you're smiling as I'm talking because you know that's not an easy, uh, it doesn't happen automatically. Please share with us, doctor. Yes, it, it, it comes more naturally for some than others. And you know, some of that is, is based on what experiences they've had in the past. I would point to one of my experiences was being a chief resident and, and being a leader you know, relatively you know, early in my career. And, and having those experiences certainly helps people step into leadership roles. But we think it's quite important to, to train, you know, to coach, to mentor our, our leaders, especially when they're stepping into to new roles. And in fact, we've recently put together a curriculum around that to, to help our leaders you know, understand some of the strategic priorities that we're all driving toward and also really how to be a leader in terms of how to give feedback, how to coach, you know, how to manage change, how to work together in teams, um, how to make sure our culture is a culture of safety. So a lot right. of those elements um, people have to some extent, but it does take other leaders to really mentor and grow those emerging leaders. Got it. Mary. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about burnout? That was a huge theme throughout the pandemic. And unfortunately, sometimes things like that fizzle out, right? It's like, oh, well, the, you know, the really bad part of the pandemic is over. Burnout isn't real. Burnout is very real for both nurses, for physicians, medical staff. How are you as a leader ensuring that the people uh, on your team are taking care of themselves uh, to address that burnout? Yeah, I, I very much agree that burnout is, is a real issue. We try to reframe it as wellness and and promoting wellness. Um, part of what we all have been doing is to support each other, and and part of you know how we can help with wellness and burnout is literally just to talk about it. Um, for example, in our monthly CMO meeting, it it tends to be a standing agenda item. We've launched into a professional wellness survey that we've been administering um, on a, a yearly basis. We have encouraged each of our sites to have a, a wellness committee um, where key doctors come together, identify issues that sometimes are pebble in the shoe issues, sometimes they're they're bigger picture issues, and really trying to, to listen and, and to help you know solve some of those those problems so that people people can do their work more easily. Uh, we've also ensured that there's plenty of resources for individuals in terms of, of psychiatric resources or um, coaching, you know, wellness type resources. And, and so helping you know, individuals with resilience. And, and then the last thing I'll mention is really encouraging people to, to take time away, to disengage. You know, I remember during the peak of COVID, we had to almost force people to say, hey, you need to take a vacation. You need to go away, you know, for a week and, and rejuvenate and then come back and, and really being very, you know, articulate and forceful about making sure people do disengage and take that time away. Last question on my end, since we're talking so much about leadership, Dr. Anderson, what do you do for yourself and your well-being as a leader, as a person? Yeah, and that's important in, in trying to role model that. And, and for me, it is having that time to disengage with my family and my kids and having that, quote, protected Wait, time. Wait, disengage to be with your family, not disengage. Yes. Yes, sorry. I just want to clarify <laughs> to be with my family. So that's right. an opportunity really to focus on family and, you know, to and my family appreciates that. And then again, I think it's an important role modeling that we encourage all of our employees and, and all of our leaders to, to spend the time away from work with family, with friends, 
to do things they enjoy. Um, and so trying to rejuvenate yourself by doing things outside of work, I think is, is critically important. Well said, Dr. Andy Anderson, um, MD, also MBA, Executive Vice President, Chief Medical and Quality Officer at RWJ Barnabas Health, one of our longtime partners. They support a significant degree of our public broadcasting on public health issues. Thank you, Dr. Anderson. Thank you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramedis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber, celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth. I am alive today thanks to my kidney donor. I am traveling and more active than ever before. I'm alive today thanks to my heart donor. I'm full of energy and back singing in my church choir. I'm alive today thanks to my lung donor. I'm breathing easy and I'm enjoying life's precious moments. There are about 4,000 people in New Jersey waiting for a life-saving transplant. Donation needs diversity. For more information or to become an organ and tissue donor, visit njsharingnetwork.org. Mary Gamma, Steve Adubato. Mary, um, I had a chance to sit down with United States Congresswoman Mikey Sherrill for our other uh, public policy-oriented program, and we talked about a whole range of issues, Ukraine, immigration, childcare issues, uh, whether Congress works or doesn't work, whether there's any bipartisanship going on. But I also had a chance, she was so considerate with her time. She had such an intense schedule. She allowed me to, to ask her some questions about leadership. Now, why? Because Mikey Sherrill not only is a leader in the United States Congress, but she has a background in military leadership. She's at one of the highest levels in the military in terms of rank. And I asked her about some of the differences between military leadership, political leadership, and just overall good and bad leadership. And here's Congresswoman Mikey Sherrill, lessons in leadership. Congresswoman, your military background, because uh, I'm curious about military leadership versus political leadership. Real quick, let folks know of your military background. Sure. I went to the Naval Academy and then served in the Navy for almost 10 years as a helicopter pilot and a Russian policy officer. Biggest difference in your view between military leadership and political leadership, if any? You know, there are a lot of differences, but there are a few, you know, as I tell people, when you see bad leadership, it manifests itself in so many different ways. But there is one strain that I think you can find in a lot of leaders who are very poor leaders, and that is the inability to take criticism or to listen to other points of view, um, whether it is because people um, uh, don't have enough self-confidence or uh, simply are too hard-headed. In poor leadership, we see people who refuse to 
to really listen with an open mind to other ideas. And so on my team, what's so important to me is that people feel empowered to say, you know what, that's interesting, but I, I think you're wrong here. And this is why. And sometimes I agree, sometimes I don't, sometimes I change um, what I'm about to do. But to me, it's I always remember a lesson I learned in Naval leadership at the Naval Academy. When a ship runs aground in the Navy, it is a disaster. It's, it's a cardinal sin in the United States Navy to run a ship aground. And there's a huge investigation that goes on after that. And in just about every single case, you find that there was somebody on the bridge of the ship that knew it was about to run aground and they didn't say anything. And you know, I think you can see there the exact manifestation of that bad leadership, the captain of the ship not wanting to hear criticism, not wanting to hear that maybe he made or she made a poor decision. And that's what really I think is the strain through all, all poor leadership. Congresswoman, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. You got it. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber, celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth. I am alive today thanks to my kidney donor. I am traveling and more active than ever before. I'm alive today thanks to my heart donor. I'm full of energy and back singing in my church choir. I'm alive today thanks to my lung donor. I'm breathing easy and I'm enjoying life's precious moments. There are about 4,000 people in the years who are waiting for a life-saving transplant. Donation needs diversity. For more information or to become an organ and tissue donor, visit njsharingnetwork.org. All right, folks, for fans of Lessons in Leadership, and we know you all are, You've been waiting for this segment. We've been teasing it for six months now. We haven't gotten to it. Mary, these little uh, mini seminars, are they lessons in leadership, mini seminars? They sure are. They're lessons in leadership, mini seminars. For some of you, you may do Toastmasters. For Steve and I, we do uh, communication leadership seminars for a variety of organizations and nonprofits uh, throughout the region. And what we love to give to our viewers are just some tips and tools on key areas of leadership. We've talked about relationship building, but as Steve said, we have teased about meetings forever. And this could be a meeting at work. It could even be a meeting at home, right? Like you have like a family meeting. It could be you're on the PTO at your school. So we're going to give you some tips and tools in this mini seminar that hopefully will help you to lead better meetings and participate in more effective and efficient meetings. What's this seminar called? Oh, no, not another meeting. What a great title. I know. I don't know. It has a good ring to it. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. And what Steve is teasing to is that is a the name of a chapter actually in your first book, Lessons in Leadership. But we have also continued the discussion in Lessons in Leadership 2.0, The Tough Stuff, which will be Steve's newest book that'll be out this summer. 
but I'm uncomfortable plugging, really. I Always. Am. Oh, can I add one other thing, though? If you're watching and you want all great articles and columns Steve has, has written on this topic, go to stand-deliver.com. Tons of free resources up there. So definitely check that out as well. So maybe I'm going to do something. I know you don't like my little placards that I got at a, a little novelty store. They're so 1980s, maybe even 1970s. The brown, you just need to put them against a paneled wall with maybe like strawberry shortcake or something. <laughs> you know what? We've been together a lot of years, 23. I've never seen you come up with one prop and you criticize my props. There's a reason why I criticize yours and do not have my own. Hold on one second. You got that, Scarlin? You could see it. I survived another meeting that should have been an email. That's one prop. And I'm going to cover this one up, Mary. Hold on one second. I'm going to cover up the last word. Mary's like, <laughs> I'm not going to say what that last word is. Yes, okay, we so, can all use our imaginations. All right, Mary. First off, the whole point of these lessons in leadership mini seminars is to actually give people information they can use. We talk to all sorts of people, all leaders of all stripes about their leadership approach, their lessons in leadership, the mistakes they've made as a leader, how they develop other leaders. But these mini seminars are self-contained. Mary will make sure that they stand on the website on their own if you want to grab them. Oh, no, not another meeting. So Mary, I think we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think there are eight keys. Mm -hmm. And if, if uh, Sylvester can fit these on the graphic, yep. eight keys, Mary. First key, I'll set it up. I'll be the point guard with my mini basketball, more I'm props. Catch it. Uh, we are not playing. <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> We're not playing baseball. We are playing basketball. I'm the point guard. Ready? Every meeting has to have one meeting facilitator leader. A client said to me recently in a coaching session, Steve, I said, who ran the meeting, Bob? And he goes, about three or four of us. I said, hold on one second. Who was the point guard? Who facilitated the meeting? We all did. My response, if a lot of people are running the meeting, no one is running the meeting. You say, Mary? Yeah, you, too many cooks in the kitchen, that's for sure. Yes, you want to have other people participate in the meeting. That's essential. No one wants to hear a meeting leader standing in front, talking, diarrhea of the mouth, just going on and on and on and on and on. But there has to be that one meeting leader that is able to throw the ball give somebody that opportunity, but most importantly, then cut that person off politely if they have to, and literally then take the ball back and then keep that meeting moving because we've all been in those meetings where somebody is just sucking up all the oxygen and then you just totally zone out. Got it. Second key. And by the way, we're putting a lot of pressure on Sylvester on the editing end. Oh, he's got this. He, he, because he is the best. By the way, thank you to Elvin, Frank, Sylvester behind the scenes. Um, Amy in closed captioning. She's uh, awesome. Amy, April on makeup. April, I know you're here. Don't worry. I was going to mention <laughs> you didn't have to. April went like this. What about me? No, she didn't do that. And Scarlett behind the camera. Uh, it does take a great team. So Mary, how about this one? Second one. N no one likes this, including Mary. I say as a meeting leader, you must force engagement. How? Specific questions of specific people, not to quote, call them out or embarrass them, but to invite them into the meeting. Why don't more people do that, Mary? Well, I think it's two reasons. Number one, it's because of their insecurity, their lack of awareness of knowing that it's their job as the meeting facilitator to ask a question, to invite someone in. 
So I think that's part of it. But then the other part is say they are aware that they know they're supposed to do it. They feel like they might make that other person uncomfortable, right? How many times do we say, you called me out or you put me on the spot? Instead, if you pitch that question in such a way that you let that person know that you're inviting them in, it's going to be a safe space for sure. Got it. And by the way, Mary, I mentioned this in another program, but the New York Times back on April 9th, uh, the business section wrote how to stamp out meetings that go on and on and on and on. That's the article. Check it out. It'll be on our website as well. All right, Mary, ready? This is the third tip. Limit the time of the meeting. My argument, 30 minutes or less. Beyond that, phones, attention span, text messages, calling people, emailing people. They're distracted. Limit the time, Mary, you say. Yeah, absolutely. And often even 15 minutes will do the trick, right? Most of our meetings, it's for a quick touch base. It's for a quick update. Do not have a meeting if it's something where you could have just sent an email. If it's that short of an update, don't even have that meeting. So yes, you want to limit the time. And also it holds us accountable, right? If you go into a meeting with no ending, no, if you leave it totally open-ended, you may just get off off track. And then, as you said, you're going to lose people and time is valuable for these uh, people on your team. Mary, if we limit, Mary knows this because we've been living together with this stuff for over two decades. If you limit the time of the meeting, what would be the fourth lessons in leadership tip? I put you on the spot. If you limit the time, you limit the... If I don't know this answer... <laughs> I feel like I need a little buzzer. You limit the number of people that are in that meeting. So we, and even we were at fault at the beginning of the pandemic. And one of our previous guests, Tom Iodanza had said this, uh, president of Valley From National Valley Bank. Bank. Yeah, he had actually said it. He said in the beginning of the pandemic, because Zoom was so quote unquote easy for everyone to just, oh, let's just have everybody in on the meeting. If you get upwards of 20, 30, 50, 100 people on a meeting, number one, and number two, if those cameras are off, they're not really in the meeting. They're not engaged in the meeting. So unless there's something for those people to learn from the meeting and or even better yet, participate in the meeting, however big or small, they probably don't need to be in that meeting. So take a pause before you send that invite and don't just invite everybody on your team. Really be strategic about who you have in that meeting. All right, so, so far we have, you have to have one meeting leader who's trained to facilitate and engage yeah. others too. You need to force engagement by asking specific questions of specific people. Three, you need to limit the amount of time of the meeting, limit the number of participants. Uh, how about this one? Number five, cameras on. Now, you may say three years plus into the pandemic. What are you talking about? We're all in person. No, we're not. Some of the people are in the office. Some of the people are remote. Now cameras on. So if I said we needed Elvin, our director, to be on camera, right? He was saying he's not going on camera today because he had certain issues he didn't want to be seen. He, he didn't have his makeup artist in or something this morning. But the point I'm making is that if Elvin had to be in a meeting, we would need Elvin to be in the meeting in person. Mm -hmm. Frank Brown, our, did, I, did I mention Frank before? I better have Frank, our, our great audio engineer. Mm -hmm. um, why do Frank, Elvin, and others who need to be in the meeting, why do they need to be on camera versus, hey, I'm on my phone? Yep. Yep. You gave the greatest story and I use it all the time in the coaching that I do as well. And in our seminars, you would never be physically in the office where the entire team is in one side of the office and you're on the other side of that door, door closed. 
screaming from the outside of the office, right? You would never do that. So really it's the equivalent of literally being on the other side of that door while your teammate is on the flip side. So you have to be but, in but there. Mary I'm, so, Mary, I'm sorry, Elvin, not on camera, just participated in the chat. Technology is awesome. You get, I love it. You get engagement even when they're not on camera. <laughs> Elvin said, because people don't pay attention when their cameras are, Mary, Elvin's oh, exactly. percent right. It's an invitation to check out. Yeah, and you're also, I don't pay attention half the time if I'm in a meeting that I shouldn't be in, which is never our meetings, of course, but we've been in meetings with clients and I'm sending Steve emails and then he'll text me. He's like, why are you sending me emails? I'm like, cause this meeting is horrible. That's why I'm sending you emails. We all multitask, right? In today's day and age, we're able to do maybe three or four different things. If you're doing three or four different things, you're not doing any of them well. You're Sure, you're getting them done, you're checking off the box, but in order to truly be present and be an active participant in that meeting, camera's on. I think this is numbers. I think it's six. I lost yeah, count. we don't have to number them. Okay, how about this one? Mary, Mary came up with this one, so I'm gonna hand the ball to her on this. So many meetings. And again, our, our work at Lessons and I stand and deliver our Lessons and Leadership Seminar Series. Half of my clients, if not more, tell me, I've got a PowerPoint. I know, but you're in a meeting with, for, you got 10 different PowerPoint. I know, but I have to have PowerPoint. I said, yeah, but if you have PowerPoint and, and April has PowerPoint and Scarlett has PowerPoint and Elvin and Frank has PowerPoint, now I'm the fifth PowerPoint mm -hmm. and we expect people to pay attention. What is the tip that we're asking Sylvester to put in there about PowerPoint? Because we're not banning it. We don't say it shouldn't be used. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah. If you need a visual, and I say a visual, not a whole bunch of words. If you have a PowerPoint up with a whole bunch of words, and even worse, we've all been there when someone is reading the PowerPoint verbatim and you're reading it along with them, or most of us have read because you could read faster than you speak. People have already read it. So what you want to make sure is if a visual is going to help to bring to life, if you're talking about a food pantry or Picture. a food desert, pictures are great. Charts are fantastic. How about a video of something a that brings video to life? is amazing, but words on screen, jumbling a whole bunch of little words on screen. So if you are going to use technology, make sure that it enhances what you're saying and the message that you want to get across. It should not take away from that message. Elvin, since you're talking to us remotely, Tell us how much time, because it's been saying four minutes for three minutes. It's been saying four minutes left. Well, uh, you're laughing, Scarlett. The last one is so important. Please let me say this one. Do not you, end you, the meeting. You're asking me. I'm, I work for you. Go ahead. Yeah. Do not end a meeting without agreeing on exactly what is going to be done. In other words, who is going to do what by when. Too many meetings end, and it's just like, great, have a good day, everybody. Nobody knows who's following up on this project, who's going to do this by when, who's going to report by when. And we hear that all the time. It is such a basic, basic concept. Who is going to do what by when? And that is the meeting facilitator. Again, we talked about that at the beginning of this. That quarterback needs to either A, assign, B, ask for volunteers, and then make sure that it is agreed upon of who's doing what by when. So under, I believe that is, because I'm into branding, follow up and follow through with deadlines. How about this one for the last one? I got 60 seconds left. Mary does this after every meeting. She doesn't need coaching. She doesn't need direction. Send an email with the key items discussed and the actions to be taken. That's not simply ending the meeting by verbally saying who's going to do what by when. But Mary, real quick, 30 seconds left. Why do you? Why are you obsessed about that email that comes out after every meeting? <laughs> 
Well, I wish I could, I could say it was for other reasons, but it's because we all forget, right? You're in that meeting, you've moved on to the next meeting, you're going to forget. So then you have a paper trail to say, wait a second, what did we agree to? Boom, go back to that email, go back to that item, because if not, you don't have a paper trail. So it's a, just a great way to go back and double check yourself. You know what, Mary? First of all, Mary had somewhere in her checklist, let's do this, uh, why our meetings stink. I think it's called, uh, oh no, not another oh, meeting. Oh no, not another meeting. She had it in the notes for a long time to do. You know, remember the guy on PBS for years that would paint the clouds, Ross, Bob, was it Bob Ross? Oh, Bob Ross, yes. Happy this little is... trees, happy little clouds, yeah. Enough of that, Mary. We are the Bob Ross of leadership. We paint- Boom. Drop that mic, yeah. mic drop. <laughs> we paint vivid cloud pictures of leadership. <laughs> See you next time. Ow, I just hurt myself. See you next time. <laughs> this edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregrametis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber, celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth. I am alive today thanks to my kidney donor. I am traveling and more active than ever before. I'm alive today thanks to my heart donor. I'm full of energy and back singing in my church choir. I'm alive today thanks to my lung donor. I'm breathing easy and I'm enjoying life's precious moments. There are about 4,000 people in the years here waiting for a life-saving transplant. Donation needs diversity. For more information or to become an organ and tissue donor, visit njsharingnetwork.org.